Rodriguez, host of the Gasper Nation podcast, where I cater to the professional working man, 40 and above, who's looking to make positive changes to his health, lose weight, and become stronger overall through simple lifestyle changes. I'm here to share inspiration, tips, and proven lessons that I've personally learned and lived through in my 40 plus years on this here beautiful blue planet. So today we'll start the discussion off by talking about Lower your blood pressure with this one exercise in our first segment. And then we'll move on to our second segment and talk about how to cheat on your diet like a pro. Cheat meals versus cheat days. And before we get into all that, if you'd like to join the conversation, then get on over to podcast.dasplanation.com slash VIP to enroll in our insiders community where I share more entertaining behind the scenes stories, tips, and hacks that'll keep you feeling younger each and every day. That's podcast.dasplanation.com slash VIP. Again, that's podcast.dasplanation.com slash VIP. Be in the know starting right now. Also, don't forget to rate me on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you're listening to this episode right now. And leave me a nice, fat, juicy, five-star review and some absolutely beautiful words of why you love the show so much. It really helps me get the word out. It's honestly the one place where your vote truly matters. Now, let's move into our first segment with Healthy Conversations. Oh yeah, all amped up and ready to go today. <laughs> so how is everybody? Drop it in the comments. Let me know where you're tuning in from. Let me know how you're feeling. Let me know what's going on in your life because I want to know. But what is it that we're talking about today? <laughs> uh, well, we have I have a couple of good topics here um, that I hope you get a lot out of. And you know, the first one in Healthy Conversations, we're talking about lowering your blood pressure with this one exercise. Now, what exercise are we talking about here, really? Like, I'm sure that's what you're thinking right now. (laughs) You know, well, a a new study that came out of the University of Saskatchewan, aka USASC, (laughs) this study found that stretching is superior to brisk walking for reducing blood pressure in people with high blood pressure and and also in people who are at risk for developing higher blood pressure levels and now walking has long been prescribed by doctors uh, who are trying to help their patients bring down their blood pressure and as you know high blood pressure aka hypertension is the leading risk factor for cardiovascular disease. It's also, also, (laughs) one of the top preventable risk factors affecting overall death in the world. (laughs) Think about that. This new finding published December of 2020 in the Journal of Physical Activity and Health, it it shows that stretching should be a part of a well-rounded treatment plan for people uh, wrestling with hypertension. So it's funny how, you know, when people hear the term stretching, they, they ultimately, like they immediately think it's just about stretching your muscles, you know, but 
When you stretch your muscles, you're also stretching all the blood vessels that feed into the muscles, including all the arteries. Think about that. <laughs> this is what people don't realize. So basically, if you reduce the stiffness in your arteries, there's less resistance to blood flow. And, and when you reduce this resistance to the blood flow, when you, when you can reduce that, this action of reducing the, the resistance in your blood flow, this will decrease your blood pressure. It, and it's said that when there's resistance to your blood flow, again, this tends to increase your blood pressure. So obviously reducing the, the resistance will decrease blood pressure uh, while on the other, you know, on the flip side, if you don't, if there's resistance to your blood flow, then this tends to increase your blood pressure. Go figure that, you know? And while there have been studies in the past that have shown that stretching can reduce blood pressure, like this study in particular, this one from USAS, is the first to directly compare walking to stretching. Because again, up to now, walking has always been the go-to prescription, like the, the go-to natural prescription for reducing your blood pressure levels. So they basically randomly assigned 40 older men and women to two groups. And for eight weeks, they studied the effects of both walking and stretching. And the first group did a whole body stretching routine for 30 minutes a day, five days a week. The other group walked briskly, you know, for the same amount of time and frequency. So they, they, they had the same intervals and the same amount of quote unquote exercise. But the type of exercise, the walking versus the stretching was the variable that was being tested essentially. Now, when the study first started, all the participants had elevated blood pressure or, you know, stage one hypertension. And so they went through their walking or stretching routines and then their blood pressure was measured multiple times. You know, like they basically had their blood pressure measured while they were sitting, lying down and over 24 hours using a portable monitor. This is pretty much considered the gold standard uh, for accurate blood pressure measurement. You know, like how they did it randomly throughout the day and in different positions, like this is the gold standard. And what they found was that stretching resulted in bigger reductions in blood pressure across all three types of measurement. So again, throughout these three measurements, the laying down, the sitting, and the 24-hour measurements, all numbers for the people that were stretching ended up having bigger reductions in their blood pressure across all three types. Now, even though stretching had better results on blood pressure, the walkers actually, you know, we have to see, <laughs> there's always a gotcha, right? <laughs> the walkers actually lost more body fat off their waist in that eight-week study than did the stretchers, you know? So <laughs> that's something to take note of if you ask me. People who are walking to reduce their high blood pressure should continue to do so. But according to this latest study, again, out of USAS, they should also add in some stretching sessions. And now while the study protocol, you know, had participants stretching for 30 minutes at a time, the researchers also suspect that the same benefits can be achieved by doing a shorter routine that 
emphasizes the larger muscle groups in the legs. So basically your quads, your hammies, uh, you know, those, those major muscle groups in your legs. They also mentioned how yoga <laughs> produces similar reductions in blood pressure. If, if you've been following me for any length of time, I'm sure you know how I feel about yoga. And I mean, the beauty of stretching is that it's so easy to incorporate into your daily routine. Like you're not at the mercy of the weather and it's easy on your joints. And, and that last point is a big plus for people with osteoarthritis. You know, the whole fact that it's easy on your joints. And, and it doesn't require a big commitment of time, which is another barrier to exercise for many people. So when you're relaxing, in the evening, instead of just sitting on the couch, you can get down on the floor and stretch while you're watching TV. And I, I've actually been doing a lot of this lately. Cause you see, uh, like, like we're here, we're, we're in the process of moving out of state and selling the house. And well, uh, <laughs> long story short, right now, we don't have any furniture in the house aside from a couple of mattresses to sleep on. So, I mean, I'm still working from home, but without a place to sit my laptop. I've basically found myself working on the kitchen island with my laptop. So, needless to say that by the end of the day, my feet and legs are tired of standing. Hey, they're throbbing, they're aching, they're, they're sore, you know? And what I've been doing is that I'll, I'll take a break to watch like, you know, an episode of Dateline or 48 Hours or something. And while I'm watching the episode, taking a breather for my day and just relaxing for a bit, I'm also stretching and running through my yoga poses. I just squeeze it into my day. So anyway, <laughs> yeah, you should try the same. You won't be disappointed, my friend. And so, the more you know, the better you'll be. And now, with all that said and done, let's switch gears and move on to our second segment with Mighty Man. Oh yeah, that was a good topic for uh, the healthy conversations. I, I mean, again, so many benefits to stretching and yoga and all that stuff. But you know, you got to do it. <laughs> you know, it's important, guys. It's, it, it's important. But in this installment of Mighty Man, we're talking about how to cheat on your diet like a pro. So you've heard all about cheat meals and cheat days. It's basically where you choose one day and you eat whatever you want, uh, you know, within reason. This is for cheat days. And with cheat meals, you choose one meal, you know, here and there where you eat whatever you want, you know, whatever meal that you want. But the question is, which approach is better? Should you have cheat meals? You know, should you do cheat days? What do you say out there? Drop it in the comments. Let me know your experience. What do you feel works best for you? What do you recommend? Because here's the thing, as the obesity epidemic rises, the search for effective weight loss strategies becomes more and more intense, you know? And while choosing the right regimen can be tough, lots of times the biggest weight loss challenge is making and sticking to new habits. You know, like new routines that support your health or weight loss goals without missing out on the foods that you love. Uh, the inclusion of cheat meals or cheat days into a diet plan is and has been popular with health and fitness enthusiasts. And why is that? My opinion, it really works. And and I shouldn't really, I shouldn't say my opinion. This is actually my experience. It works. That little break from the norm. It's kind of like, again, like I was talking about earlier when I'm standing up all day, you need that break in your day. So this cheat meal is essentially your break <laughs> from 
the strenuous diet, you know, that you have to do. But it's now making its way into Main Street diet culture by way of social media. Gotta love social media, right? <laughs> Not only can you get your daily dose of fake news, quote unquote, but there's a lot of goodness out there if you pay attention to the right people. So first off, what are cheat meals and cheat days exactly? You know, well, I kind of answered that already, but to be a little bit more specific, you know, cheating within a diet plan involves giving yourself calculated, planned permission to temporarily break strict diet rules. So the theory behind this reward-based diet strategy is that by allowing yourself brief periods of indulgence, you'll be more likely to stick to your actual diet for the remaining time when you're not cheating. <laughs> you know, as the name implies, a cheat meal is a single meal that veers from your planned diet pattern, if you will, you know, while a cheat day allows you to make free food choices for an entire day. Now, cheat diet strategies are, you know, highly different from person to person. And how they're implemented may look very different from person to person, depending on, you know, the individual's diet preferences and their goals, you know? So the foods you eat as cheat meals will also vary from person to person, again, due to individual taste. But they often consist of high calorie foods that would otherwise not be permitted, you know, on their typical diet plan. You know, there's no specific guideline for when or how frequently your cheat meal or day should be, but lots of times people include one cheat per week, whether that's a cheat day or a cheat meal. You know, they, they might have one cheat meal per week or one cheat day per week, but that's generally up to that individual. But again, this can change depending on what the person's health or weight loss goals are. And because of this, the cheat strategy overall is adaptable and could be implemented along with many different diets. But of course, <laughs> you know, this cheat meal approach is not appropriate for all diet styles. You know, uh, some diets like the keto diet are super, super strict. Like in order for a keto diet to truly work, to, to really be effective and for you to see the results that it was engineered to provide, you have to really stick to the guidelines, which uh, let's be honest, you know, it doesn't leave much room for cheating. So that being said, the cheat strategy is best when used with diets that allow for some flexibility, you know, but the question still remains, does cheating really work? That's the question here, you know? So weight management and changes to your body composition, like these are complex processes. And the fact of the matter is that not everyone will respond the same way to the same strategies. I've said it before, and it's this. <laughs> you know, the best diet plan for you, for anyone, is the one you can stick to. I'll say that again. The best diet plan for you is the one that you can actually stick to. It's like, it's well known that if you eat fewer calories than you burn, then weight loss is inevitable. <laughs> you know, it is super likely to occur. <laughs> I mean, we can all agree on that little factoid right there for sure. And so that's why a reward-based cheat meal or cheat day strategy may actually be effective 
if you're able to execute a well-planned diet and maintain an overall reduced calorie intake. It's been said that using cheat meals will lead to measurable changes in body composition and improved metabolic function. So you're going to speed up your metabolism. You're going to burn that body fat. You're going to see these major improvements in your physique, in your body structure, in the way you're clothes fit you know they say this is due to the fluctuations in the hunger hormone called leptin this is the hormone that essentially suppresses the feelings of hunger it, it takes that feeling of hunger and it if it like let's say if it was a piece of paper it crumples it up into a ball and just kind of tosses it behind you you know <laughs> for a lack of better terms that's what this hormone does and a common weight management theory is that with lower levels of circulating leptin, again, this hormone that suppresses the feeling of hunger, you're more likely to overeat, which kind of, you know, makes sense. If there's less leptin that suppresses your desire to eat, <laughs> you know, then obviously it's, it's pretty safe to say that you're more likely to overeat, you know, and now that's, that's obviously because you don't have enough of the hormone sending your brain the signals that you're satisfied and that you're full and that you're good to go. This may lead to rebound weight gain. People who support the cheat meal strategy for weight loss, um, they also theorize that intermittent periods of higher calorie foods will trick your hormone cycle into producing more leptin temporarily. <laughs> preventing the desire for that rebound overeating. But unfortunately, unfortunately, there's not much scientific research to support this theory, you know, so you got to kind of take that with a grain of salt. And at this point, it's more likely that weight loss occurs for some people with the cheat method because of a reduction in overall calorie intake that's achieved by sticking to a well-planned diet most of the time and limiting that high calorie junk food. Another component of the cheating diet strategy is the theory <laughs> that by occasionally allowing yourself to indulge in foods not permitted on your diet, you'll then have the motivation to stick to your planned diet when you're not cheating, you know, for most of the time. This is where the cheat meal strategy is tied to the psychology of weight loss. And this is also where I stand because looking back in hindsight, anytime I was dieting or, you know, actively watching my weight, I was most successful when I had one day in the week where I knew I could just eat what I wanted, you know, because I knew that the following day I was going to be right back at it. And it really works. Like some people can effectively resist temptation knowing that their cheat day is coming up. That was me. That's always been me. <laughs> You know, like I can diet, diet, diet. And if I know that in a day or two, I can have a slice of pizza and not worry about it. You know, I can have that slice of pizza with Coke. I can have, you know, a burger and a beer with maybe some fries or maybe, you know, that might be a little too much, but maybe a burger and fries with lemon water or something, maybe salsa water. You know what I mean? Like I, it's a lot easier knowing that you're going to have like that break, as I mentioned earlier. But since not everyone can regulate their own eating behaviors in the same way, the same, again, the same results can't be guaranteed for everyone, you know, because here's the thing. If you're unable to maintain some degree of self-control within your cheat meals or, you know, days, whichever you choose, 
then you run the risk of undoing any prior weight loss if you end up eating more calories than you should. Remember that even cheat meals or days should be planned appropriately. We're not having a party, you know, and eating everything in sight. You know, that is like they shouldn't be framed as a free ticket to excessive overeating. To reiterate an important point I said earlier, the most effective weight loss strategy is the one that you can stick to. And for some people, cheat days or meals may be a great way to maintain overall healthier diet habits, while for others, you know, other people, a different approach may be a little bit more appropriate for them. And you know, it, it's it's pretty common to see pictures on social media of highly indulgent foods alongside people with fit and muscular physiques. <laughs> I'm sure we've all seen them. This kind of gives the impression that the cheat meal dieting strategy is the key <laughs> to getting a physique that others will praise you for. Also, your attitude toward food can have a significant impact on your ability to resist temptation and to regulate eating behaviors. One of the biggest concerns about the whole cheat meal, cheat day strategy is the potential for it to encourage a binge style eating behavior. You know, like even a cheat meal or day should be approached with a plan. Remember that your ultimate goal is to lose weight or trim down or, and whatnot. So cheating doesn't mean you ignore hunger or normal cues of being satisfied. Like don't think that you can simply eat as much as you want of any food on your cheat day. That's not the purpose of it. Again, approach it with a healthy mindset alongside realistic goals and expectations, you know, that'll support both your mental and physical health. Again, cheat meals and cheat days, these should be looked at as breaks from the normal, you know what I mean? Like you're taking a break from your diet for that one meal, for that one day. You know, so that the following day you hit it hard again or that following meal, you go right back at it. But now your body is satisfied. You have that, you know, it kind of, for me, I've noticed that it cuts down the cravings for me and, and those times where I have that odd one-off craving for a Coke or a brownie or anything like that, it's easier to suppress and, and hide that feeling in my back pocket and save it for my cheat day because I know I'm going to get that break. I know, you know, that I'll eventually get there and then I can have that hamburger. I can have that beer. I can have those French fries. I can have the onion rings, you know? So yeah, approach it with a healthy mindset. One thing that, that can determine the success of your cheap dieting strategy is being mindful of what you're eating, even when you're having a cheat day. So, you know, pay attention to your body's hunger cues and eat when you're hungry, but stop when you're full or satisfied. That's the key to making the cheat strategy work for you. Another strategy that may benefit your diet efforts is to focus on just one or two foods instead of trying to fit them all in at once. So for example, if you're planning a cheat meal, instead of eating the cheeseburger, the Long Island iced tea, and the cheesecake, <laughs> just pick one or, or two of these indulgent options. You know, by focusing your attention on just one treat, you'll be less likely to tip the scales in an unhealthy direction by overconsuming during your cheat period. Not only that, 
but you can continue eating healthy and avoiding foods that you know you have difficulty controlling yourself around while still bending your diet rules. So for example, you can have a day with that, that you're not tracking calories, you're not tracking your macronutrients, or you know, just going out and enjoying a meal without even worrying about what you choose from the menu. You know, like let's say you're gonna meet up with your buddies, you know, have that one day, you know it's coming, you know, use that as your cheat day or your cheat meal. You know it's coming, right? Save your cravings for that day, you know, but again, be that, be mindful. Like these strategies may be the most useful for those who have hard time with self-control during eating scenarios, you know? Like the key to success with any major lifestyle change is being prepared, you know? And planning a cheat day or meal is no different. You know, if you have a solid plan in place, you're less likely to give in to temptation because your plan is set up to support you. You know, with cheat days or meals, it can be difficult for some people to know when to put on the brakes. You know, this lack of self-control could end up making your diet goals less successful in the long run. You know, and so implementing a plan for cheat days uh, much in the same way as you do on uh, regular dieting days, this is a good way to stay on track. You know, this means that even though you're allowing yourself to eat foods you normally wouldn't, you know, you can still maintain control over the situation. So for example, I'm full of examples today. Planning when and where your cheat meals will occur is a great first step. Like if you know, again, if you know you've got a birthday party or some other social event coming up at the end of the week, then it might be smart for you to plan your cheat meal or day around that event. From there, you can take it a step further and also plan to maintain portion control. <laughs> Boom, that's what I'm talking about right there. So for example, <laughs> I got an example on top of an example. Like if you're going to a birthday party where you know there's gonna be pizza and beer, you know this, you know? So knowing this, you should plan to only have one or two slices of pizza instead of sitting down with the entire pie, you know? Have a beer, but don't overdo it. Live a little, you know, enjoy your life, but stay focused. Stay focused on whatever it is that you're trying to achieve. Stay on track and keep your cheat meals or days under control. Because here's the bottom line, fellas. Cheat days or meals, which allow room to indulge, they, they you know, they allow you to indulge just that break. They can effectively motivate you to stick to your diet. But that being said, it may be unhealthy for you if you struggle with emotional binge eating or, or any other, you know, disordered eating tendencies, <laughs> you know what I mean? For lack of better terms, you know, this, stra this strategy may be more successful alongside other tools, such as, again, the mindful eating habits or, or other self-control practices. So which is better for you, the cheat meal or the cheat day? Well, that, my friend, is entirely up to you. You know yourself best. I'm all for the cheat day, you know, don't get me wrong. I like to just take one day out of the week and literally just enjoy whatever I feel like eating. Uh, now this doesn't, again, this doesn't mean that I'm eating from the moment I wake up to the moment I fall asleep. You know, that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that on that one day, you know, if I feel like having waffles for breakfast, I will. Cheeseburger for lunch, check. I don't even think about it, I just do it. And the funny part is that since I'm sticking to my diet like hardcore Monday through Saturday or 
you know, Sunday through Friday, come that day off, that cheat day, I just eat freely. You know, whatever I feel like having, I have, you know, but what happens is that I'm still mindful of how much I'm eating, you know? Like I won't have a five course meal for breakfast, a five course meal for lunch, and a five course meal for dinner. It just don't, it, it doesn't happen. You know, I still have my regular size, my regular portion, I just, you know, I indulge a bit. And sometimes I only go all out for one meal and the others I tend to stay relatively healthy and on track, you know? If you haven't tried it, I mean, I, I suggest that you do. You may be surprised, but take note of how you feel. And if you start feeling like you, you need to binge, like you, you're, uh, you notice that at the end of the day, you couldn't control yourself, you know, be, take note of that. Make sure you're, you're uh, I mean, I, I can't remember how many episodes back, but I spoke about uh, food journaling, keeping track of exactly what you eat and how you feel. This, <laughs> that applies perfectly in this scenario. Keep track of how you feel before, during, and after your cheat meals. Before, during, and after your cheat day. You know what I mean? Like, did that make you feel good? Did that satisfy you? Do you feel guilty? Do you feel satisfied? Like, how everything. Write it down. Keep track of it. That'll help you progress. You can't improve what you don't measure. <laughs> you know? And if you find, again, if you find that you're binging or, or it's not making you feel good or whatever the case may be, that's okay. Then we'll need to find a better strategy for you, my friend. That's where the community comes into play. But I won't get into that right now. <laughs> you know, you go in there, there's plenty of support. You ask questions, you find solutions, period. Because that's how I roll. And so with all that said and done, that's it, you guys. That's my show for today. I hope you found some valuable information here. And if nothing else, I hope I've entertained you for a few minutes and was able to bring you a little manly sunshine to your day. Thanks for taking some time out of your day to listen to me. It's very much appreciated. On next week's episode, we'll be talking about five things all successful diets have in common. So, fellas, if you're not feeling successful, you definitely do not want to miss next week's episode. If you love what you heard in today's episode and want more action topics just like these, you need to be in the conversation with me and the rest of the community. Heading on over to podcast.gaspination.com slash VIP to enroll in our insiders community where I share exclusive raw behind the scenes stories, tips, and hacks that'll keep you feeling younger and younger each and every day. That's podcast.gaspination.com slash VIP. Again, that's podcast.gaspination.com slash VIP. Be in the know starting right now. Also, don't forget to rate me on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you're listening to this episode right now. And leave me a nice, fat, juicy five-star review and some beautiful words of why you love the show so much. It really helps me get the word out, and it's honestly the one place where your vote truly matters. Until our next chat, take care now. Bye.